Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast for agents by agents, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Jeff and Phil run a residential real estate team that will close over $250 million worth of homes in 2018, and they are sharing their insights on growing a team and winning in the living room with actual buyers and sellers. Enjoy. Hey! Wow, did I hear we got a, a live guest coming on Monday? Welcome to episode 30 of The Solution. A real estate podcast. Dun, dun, dun. We should get some yeah, music. Yeah, maybe if we had a... Next time. By uh, episode if, 35. If, if we had people to help us, maybe they could create some music. We have or studi- something exciting. We have a studio audience. <laughs> like, if we're still... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Don't... He's walking out on us. Don't, did, don't, did, don't go. Did you one time... One time demonstrate sound on your phone to, to oh, indicate yeah. that it was possible? <laughs> You're a tough guy to work for. Sometimes. Yeah, he's a prick. So today on putting the so putting the consumer first. Yes. You you mentioned that we're going to have we're going to answer a, a real world question that was sent to us from Michelle, who's a licensed real estate agent working out of the Flagstaff, Arizona marketplace. And uh, but I think that before we get, but I mean next on next Monday or Monday's guest, I think actually has proven to. Put, put the, the consumer, consumer first. first. Yes, because he was, I mean, actually when it came out about working with... Don, welcome to the party, man. Yeah. Glad you're watching. Appreciate no, the but, invite but, yesterday. But Kenny is, been, I'm so excited because he's been... Did a, you say Kenny? Kenny Kloss. Kenny Kloss is yeah, the guest yeah. for Monday. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I don't know, iconic Kenny Kloss almost, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, like iconic. dominant, like he's ranked in the top 250... He's Teams ranked the up country. there high. Yeah, he yeah. does a lot, yeah, a lot of business. A lot of business. Because he takes care. And actually, he's and like, he's he cons- puts, not only does he put the consumer first, he puts his community first. He's just good at it. Yeah. Yeah, so we're I'm excited sorry. to have him. Yeah. So. Thank you, Don. Right. I appreciate that. Yesterday was fun. Good job putting it together. Yeah, in case anyone out there needs a moderator. A moderator. Phil is the, maybe, I mean, I heard it at lunch, people that were there saying that you did a hashtag great job. Oh. Not safe for work today's episode is. Um, it, was it was fun. I'm in the audience. I got to co-moderate yes. Agent Jeopardy. It was a disclosure CE class. Uh, Don Chakowski with Fidelity Title put it together, asked me to come in and, and moderate it, and it was awesome. We had a great time. The agents that were leaving there were like, this is some of the most fun I've had getting some CE hours. Wow. So, and they learned stuff. We went around the room after. Was there anyone sleeping at CE there? Not at that class, but I did go to a class today. I actually <laughs> took a class today, and I have to show the video because oh. it was just so real. If you, if you um, are a... Panel it like uh, judging whether CE credit is no. Let's just show okay. the video. So this I've been taking CE classes wrong for a lot of years. So I'm sorry to our audio listeners, but I'm going to show a video right now. This is how I'm going to start taking CE classes in the future. I <laughs> <laughs> love his beanie. Oh god, oh it's so great. So I, did you ever sleep on the floor through a CE class? No, like I said, I've been doing it wrong. Oh yeah, right. I okay, actually listen to yes, the, yes, the yes, content yes. and try to learn mm-hmm. so that I can do a better job of putting the consumer. Right. First. Okay. So we had a, a comment. Uh, thank you for all of you that comment after the show, even if you don't comment during the show, because we do read them and hopefully reply to them and are very thankful for you, our viewing audience, and this is why we're putting on uh, this podcast. But we had a comment from, uh, I, I'm going to read it to you because it's going to be the focus of today's show. 
Yes. Are you ready? So uh, Michelle, like I said, she's in the Flagstaff market. She sent us over. We actually, she was a commenter that got a free koozie. Oh, and she thought it was a, she thought you were kidding. Yes. And, but yet when Shanley reached out to get her address, do you have the comment there, Shanley? Mm, Come on over. Mm. All right. So after she says, uh, I thought that that was a joke, she then follows and says, well, you asked those guys to touch on the value agents provide once the home has a buyer. I love all the marketing tips, but as you know, no two deals are the same that can be communicate. Complicated and difficult. Meaning selling houses, even after getting the client going under contract, it can be um, difficult and complicated. We pride ourselves on being able to make a bumpy transaction smooth. How can agents best navigate hiccups along the transaction? Yeah. uh, Great question. I love this, right? So, I mean, I think that this is the... Actually, the cornerstone for those that are playing along in how you get more referrals because essentially we don't get a lot of referrals from people we don't put under contract. We do from our friends and family, but I'm, I'm saying this is that it's not like, hey, Phil, we got all this business this year from the prospects that we lost. Yeah, I'm. Are you with me? No, no, not at all. But you're, look, you're staring at me like I'm strange. We looking. don't get referrals from people who we don't get under contract. Right. Okay. We get referrals from the people that we have as clients. Okay. So her comment is, "How do we better do a better job?" And my reply is, "If you do a better job in putting the consumer first when you're under contract, you get more referrals because those are the referral base that we call past clients. So you're telling me you don't disappear once you get a buyer? Like if you're representing the buyer and you get them under contract, you don't just disappear? Yeah, I hate to call them traditionalists, but that's actually what um, happens in real estate transactions and that we have fought the change and one of the main paths because it's, uh, you know, commission breath is a word, right? Like, we're just trying to fight through the transaction so we can get paid, and that's not putting the consumer first. Okay, so then when you go under contract, what are ways that you help to smooth out the bumpy transaction? Yeah, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on the way back machine here, because the thing is it actually starts with what you do before you get there, okay? Okay. Meaning that it's how you set up the sale that occurred okay in that because you know the industry is like well how do we sell more houses and that if you help people buy and not trying to sell them a house it changes the way right so the first thing is is making sure that you let's are you gonna start with putting the right title company on the contract Well, maybe. Because I know that's a part of it. Well, yeah. No, it's it's, it's everything. For one, it, to me, I was going to start with, it's making sure that you understand the contract completely. Okay. Right? Because, uh, I mean, I did about 200 transactions before I took my first... Uh, GRI? GRI contract class. And I probably should have took it sooner. But I actually... The awesome thing was is actually if you get to 200 transactions, you actually don't need the GRI class because you – at that point, then I already had learned – I mean, I learned a few tips and tricks. There's always great stuff there. But the point is is that you know, for newer agents, 
I don't know that they understand all of the contracts implications. I think it's near. I, agree. I think it's near impossible. But then that can put you in situations of. I mean, one of the things I've always prided myself on is that we've never lost earnest money for any client, buyer, or seller side. Where's the right? wood? Because of the understanding that we have in in the contract. So the first part is is not that. The other thing is is explaining the process to the buyer before you get there, so there's not surprises before you begin. Like meaning, right? Like. Okay, I mean, one of the things we all explain is you're going to need earnest money. Hey, I'm going to be picking up the, I, I'm going to take the check or I will, you know, because it's the, diff- to me, the, the, there's subtle differences here. And it's like, well, my title company will send you instructions. That's not putting the customer first, in my opinion, right? Because to me, you would go to the title company, contact that agent and then you send it to them and ask them if they had any questions on that. That would be putting the, right? So okay. it's just in this aspect, it's a, it, it's a subtle thing. Right. Right. So then we get to the inspection. So the industry teach us, oh, send them three inspectors. But I think that you should have knowledge and know who you're sending that business to. Meaning, is uh, this a buyer that really just wants to make sure the house is okay, or this is a buyer that wants the house meticulously picked through, and then also their budget, but just knowing that, okay, what kind of inspector do you want, right? Do you want a guy that's gonna charge you a thousand bucks, but it, or $2,000, and he's gonna, like, you'll never miss anything in the world, but I mean, it's just knowing the different options versus this is just my guy and one serves all, right? Like, to me, that that is part of the setting up. But then also, maybe you, um, schedule the inspect versus giving him the number to the title company or the inspection company. Here's two and let them call. I think that you can give them options and talk to them about the options, but you could still schedule schedule it for them. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, good. So then, I mean, you didn't talk about giving them three lenders either. Is that a part of this? Absolutely. Well, but, but even though it's before, but but you had to have a pre-qual. Yep. Right. So that was before, but that's what I was talking about before. Right. Same thing for lenders. I mean, you know what? There may be a best lender, and you know, there's. I mean, fortunately now the internet's out there, but that's the same thing. But to me, it's. Um, I think you're doing a better job for the consumer if you have them pre-qualify before they're writing an offer. Right, like I think that if you're making offers with unprequalified people, that you're not serving that client well because it's going to be harder for them to win, right? I mean, I think that the offer process is something that we can go a little bit deeper on, and that is when you uh, let your buyer write deals that have a zero chance or a less than one percent. I think that chance of coming you, together. You, yes, chance of coming together that it's not put in the consumer first. Now, of course. If you explain to them and say, you know what, this is a this is a long shot, but I'll give it a shot for you. That's cool. I just don't know that everybody's explained that. But I mean, things like, you know, I get a lot of calls once you get to 150 days on the market of lease to own, mm-hmm. right? So it's just setting those proper expectations for that. But then it's like, you know, do I want to sell my seller on? Because we had a, our first lease purchase in, uh, I don't know, about six years occur. And I said, look at seller like this is i don't know that because lease purchases 
I don't know, they're, they end up in court a lot. There's a lot of stress with that. But just explaining to him, I said, the only way I think that I can recommend this particular deal was that if we get non-refundable earnest money before they walk in of $50,000. And unfortunately for the buyer, they said yes. And then we collected $200,000 4 months later. So that was a great deal for him because now he has all this money down for any damages or whatever. But either way, but it's making sure that um, you thoroughly are very good at your job, basically, meaning that you understand the lending process. Like to me, I think that we have a lot of agents out there that are getting in deals where they don't know a lot of the answers. It's why we, we highly encourage mentorship um, because the, someone to guide you through that to help keeping your client from getting into a situation that they can't. Okay, so now we get the we got the lender, we got the you know, and uh, now we um, are going to the inspection. So the question is, is is the agent showing up for the inspection? The answer is yes. I don't think the you review. need. Yeah, I don't think you need to be there to let the inspector in. Um, I think that you can use a lockbox and provide that service. I don't know that there's any added benefit to that. Um, but I think that they, it's, you still let the, the inspector explain this stuff to the, the client, but you're there to help with the interpretation. But most importantly, in my opinion, to provide a, a level of service above is that, you know, maybe if you showed up a little bit before your client and he's like, you know, the roof's bad, the, uh, the AC's got some issues that you would then call ahead and get contractors out on their behalf to give them a professional's opinion because the inspector is still uh, a non-professional in that field. They're a professional inspector and maybe they used to do AC work years ago, but I would like someone that's, you know, very current because right I don't now. know that inspectors can be current on everything and there are some damn good inspectors out there and they do their best but I still want a licensed professional in the field to judge the difference between because no for what for AC for HVAC HVAC plumbing for plumbing right um whether pool, pool and roof. roof roof right yeah right so the major thing so to me it's um a it's doing a good job for your client because Usually that we want a, a professional so, in the field to look at this. So when you have somebody moving from back east and they say, I have to have a radon inspection, do you think that it's a good idea to put the consumer first by helping them accomplish that or by talking them out of that because it's such I a I think low this is where we need to be a professional because when someone says, Jeff, I think we need to do a radon inspection, I'd be like, that's awesome. In the first 1,500 homes I've sold, we've never done one, but I thought it would be a like we just don't have right. that's not a big problem here, but some people do it. Right, like we've it, had that it, happen. It's possible, but you know what? I I don't. I mean, you know, are you buying it's a house? Person. Are you buying a house in Kingman or somewhere else? Then maybe you might need one, right? Like someone in a different area, but in our part of town, I I mean, it could be possible. I mean, maybe there's I a remember neighborhood the people that bought the condo over here that they got burned by radon in the past, and they're like, "Sorry, I'm never buying a house without one." Yeah. I mean, there's times where, I mean, it's the same thing for like flood insurance is that understanding the flood zone and I mean, in particular parts in town or whatever it is. I mean, but it's, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So then you show up at the inspection review and let's say that the general inspector that you have there points out, you know, 85 different things. Actually, let's go one step before. I think it is our job as an agent to let them know that the... To let the um, client know. Let the client know. 
that houses aren't perfect. Right. And that this is going to be uh, an exhausting experience in the inspection because this guy's going to call your baby ugly. Right? Like, because also they're... Their job is not to get sued, so they make a, mul- a mountain out of it. And that remember that, you know, when the house is 25 years old, that it's still standing. And when he says those booms, it might, you know, the, those rafters are cracked. And if you don't replace them, that roof could collapse in that it could. But also that it's been up for 25 years and there's just different things within the house that it's used. And that I notice this when we get deals and I get inspection lists from inexperienced agents where they ask for everything and that I think that you're not doing a good job of explaining to that client what the inspection is for and letting them do that is, I don't think that that's doing a good job for that agent because they did not provide any experience to them. That That's, I mean, it's not... The, you don't like getting in. You don't like getting binzers that have eighteen page addendums. I'm used to it, dude. I I love it. I think it's great. I'm just saying that the idiots that that send them over is it's. I mean, if they do them, if they explain it to their client, be like, watch this. I'm gonna piss them off. I'm gonna send them a no. I mean, it, it it's just that I expect an agent to provide a service inside the transaction for their client because they're not helping their client out. Like they should know that. There's a what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, but explain that to the. I think they should explain that to the consumer before they get to that point. Right. Because and once you're at that point, it seems too self-serving. It's over. Yeah. Then yeah, it's then it's yeah. Right. But to me, you should have showed up during when you did your buyer consult. Don't say it there because you'll lose business. You like after you look at a few houses and you're talking about the offer, you introduce the inspection period and what it's used for. That it's not a free look period, but it's a chance for us to identify possible concerns about the house and that houses have deferred maintenance or you mean it just like what is the I think it's the job of the realtor or the real estate agent to talk to the client and to I mean, it's okay if they want to if they want to ask for everything you can ask for everything. But I still think that that conversation should have happened along the, you mean before the inspection report? Before came the in. inspection, right. Before the review that the client got before to hear. Before they the even wrote the offer, right. the agent should have had that because it's just the reality of what the world is, right? Like, I mean, if you're buying houses, so, there's going to be inspection and it's not going to be new. Now, don't get me wrong, but it's also your job to understand that if we wrote a full price offer, that there's the inspection list is going to have more stuff on it if they're paying top dollar. Like that's just, but that's part of the experience thing. So Any comments? I got Nothing? a comment. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, we got a comment. Jim, I want it all. I want it all, and I want it now. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty Mercury. You didn't and even give like a like a, a air guitar or nothing. I want it all. <laughs> right, come on now, Atta boy. Yes, and I want it now. All right, fellow agents on repair requests. Yes, yes. agreed. Joe Beatty. Yes, Brady. Yes, agreed. Joe, I love that comment. I can read that entire comment. That is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's my new spectacles here. Yes. <clears throat> but it, it, So it, I think that what you're touching on that I'd like you to expand on is helping manage the consumer's emotions by, by preparing them for what they're going to see in the deal. Right? Like, yes. Have you ever uh, – so buyer's remorse. Do you do anything – 
to prepare them for buyer's remorse? Yeah, I mean, I share, I mean, to me, we should be sharing our experiences in, in the way that you cure buyer remorse is you give them options before they buy, right? Because what causes buyer remorse is usually, generally, I think, that when they don't feel that they saw all the possible options and they got pushed into a situation, buyer remorse doesn't come up. I mean, I, all right, so I had buyer's remorse. I bought a house, 2007. Which one? Uh, Desert Peak. Okay, good. Yeah. Right, it was a new yeah. home? New home. Oh, because you didn't have representation. I how many houses? How many, how many houses had you sold before you entered into that contract? None. Okay, I was so a first time home buyer. Exactly. So you had no yeah. representation. Okay, good. I had I had somebody <laughs> represented me. Who? Oh, an agent did? An agent, yeah. Uh, but this isn't about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is about buyer's remorse. Oh. After looking at okay. after looking at different options and deciding that this was the house that I was gonna go with and entering into the contract. And that builder made you put down a down payment that you could not get out of, so they were smart. <laughs> Whatever it was, there was legit there was that legit emotion of it was a rushy yeah. time, though. That was an urgency time, like the market was 2007. Yeah, dude, it went like this afterwards. Right, right. here it was where I bought the house, and I think then it closed. Okay, and then it went like that. Yeah, there. That, well, I mean, but still, the the my point is, I mean, that if, I think if buyer's the, remorse the, happens even when you're presented with lots of options. Okay, yes, when a disaster with comes upon us. There's no, a lot of buyer remorse from everybody. You're it's a it, mistake. Dude. Okay, you're what? what? It. All right, explain it to me again. I'm. I, you go under contract for a property. You write the down. You write the check for the earnest money. Uh huh. You have a three day think, right of res- and rescind then you think, Is this a good decision? I think everybody goes through that. that. I call that buyer's remorse. What do you call that? Oh, the buyer's remorse is when the person then wants to back out of the no. deal. No, I don't think oh, so. I think okay. that actually you can have buyer's remorse. I guess I I'm buyer's remorse. I stuck with the deal. I'm sorry. Everybody has buyer's remorse. I agree, Phil. Yes. Asked. Okay, good. Maybe I'm using the wrong phrase. What is it? It's that que- where you question whether or not this is the right decision based just on, I don't know. I thought it, I considered it buyer's remorse. Oh, maybe I'm using no. the wrong phrase. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Ask the audience. What's that? Cold feet. Cold feet. Yeah. Nice. Well, but I mean, you were—that was your first home. You were a first-time home buyer. I mean, okay. So then, the third one that I bought, I was like, "Should I be doing this?" (laughs) (laughs) It's maybe that's just who representing on that one. I don't know. (laughs) This isn't about that person. (laughs) What's the point? What do you do to help buyers knowing that they're going to go through that? Um, How can you smooth out that point, like knowing that? Everybody's going to question after they I explained, write that check. I, I explained to them the process that got us here is what the answer is. Right. So I say, you know, when I met with you, we removed the market conditions. I explained to you the supply and demand and prices and where we're going. You said that, you know, we're, you know at the time you were having, uh, you guys just got married or you had one of the babies. Was just Oscar out? That was number one. Oscar oh. was on the way? Oh, seven? No. We were, uh-uh. we were married. Okay. All right. But you were... Planning on starting a family. You yeah, actually one succeeded day. at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know seven. No, I mean to me 12, it's it's so. um home buying is super stressful, is what, uh-huh. what you're leading to. Yes. And we cannot imagine the stress that one undertakes. We can't do that. But all you can do is help to me it's slow it down, spread it out. Okay. Right? Meaning that 
take the pressure off of them. Look, you don't have to buy. I mean, if I've said that 2,000 times, that's not underestimating how many times. Like, don't buy it. Like, to me, take the pressure off. You know what? Then let's cancel. You'll lose the $5,000 because if it was a new bill. But, like, it's okay. Like, this is just... But at someday, you're going to want to buy a house. And unfortunately, we looked at 40, and this happens to be the best one. If you want to go around and look for three more months while interest rates rise, then we can do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I guess I'll yeah, or, or as I, what I said to, to, to JJ, right? If you don't have to buy this house, that's okay. You'll just pay more later for the same house. Is that what you want? No. no. Okay, cool. Then we can go on. Okay, cool. Yeah, nice. I, another thing that I've heard you say before that I like is that one of the reasons, one of the things or one of the reasons why you've always been um, a proponent of <clears throat> education about the contract and about the different addendums and whatnot is not just so you have, so you know what you need to be doing as an agent, but so you know what you don't need to be doing well, to me, as I th- an agent. I think that's very well said. And, and most importantly, when you can tell them to be, look at you're just you. I understand you're stressed about that, but honestly, that is something that you is really not, that's not going to get better. It's just going to be something that you're going to be nervous about. But just so you know, I mean, because the most common thing that I see is when people are really, really excited about something during the escrow process, and then six months later, they can't even remember what they were excited about. After you do that about 50 times, you're like, okay, cool. You're just having a hissy. And I'm just going to let you calm down and go talk to your friends. Um, and then we'll revisit this. Um, but th- but I think the best thing is, is to be supplying um, professional input from different quality uh, third-party sources to help um, those issues. Right? Like, Because, I mean, it's like the flood exam- insurance example I gave before. The flood insurance example? Yeah. Yeah. Is that because we have people get very excited about having to pay flood insurance. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's called FEMA, right? The federal, you know, you know, if if Noah, if Noah shows up, right, 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Yes, you will have a flood here. But we do live in the desert. It's possible. You know, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So let's continue on with the transaction. But what not to do, because sometimes you get into transactions where the other side is, uh, what's the phrase that we use? A bully agent. Oh, my favorite kind of agent. And so when you're working with a bully agent who's telling you, you need to do this and you should do that and you need to do this. You don't Sometimes listen that's to what's intimidating. Yeah, oh, it's super intimidating. Yes. But and so you got to be the, how do you know what is. You have to be good at your job and know what is right and what is wrong. I mean, you have to know contract lengths and times and time frames and, you know, when those expire and, you know, using the, the right addendas, you know, to make sure that it's confidence, but it's also leaning on your broker. Right, like to make yeah. sure you have a second no, opinion. Would you agree though that there's a difference between etiquette and contractually? What I think have there's to do? a ton of agents that like to bully people in transactions. I, I mean, we I've had enough transactions that I've experienced it a lot. Right. Yeah. They don't. I mean, the statue comes to mind. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Sorry. Yes. But, I mean, right. What do you have to do versus what you don't have to do? That was I think I think that that was an excellent example of knowing. Of being excellent at your job, right? Okay. The statue example. Yeah. I, don't know, I mean, we had a situation where an agent 
I don't know if she thought the $60,000 statue in the back of the yard, that was a million-dollar sale. It wasn't $12 million, so it really wouldn't have been a lot of money. I mean, at a million dollars, $60,000. I, I mean, to me, it means a lot, $60,000. Yeah. But she thought she included the statue as part of the sale, and then we – she then tried to – you know, after we countered it out, she tried to include the statue on the binzer as part of the binzer, which, you know – Is the buyer inspection notice, Yeah, it's right? just – this thing's going sideways. But, you know, just knowing when you – for instance, if you cancel on a binzer without giving a reason that your client could lose earned money – um, knowing that if you go over time frames or if somebody asks for things or not repairs and you agree to do the repairs that you can't get, you don't get the statue. <laughs> I mean, you know, but I mean, that's really just understanding the contract initially. But that You're, you mean because she threatened to blow the deal up, even though her client never wanted to cancel. You call that bullying? Yes, I agree. Just knowing where you have where you can stand your ground. Yeah. Right? And but uh, but in representing your client well, I mean, that's why you have to know that stuff. Yeah. All right. So, okay, so we have past inspection. Right. Yeah, your inspection time ends. And now what do well, you Well, the thing is, is you might from? have to get two quotes or three quotes from inspectors. And you're going to – like sometimes we pay for – because, you know, sometimes you got to get that plumber out there. And that plumber's super busy because contractors are super busy right now. And sometimes on their behalf, because I know it's best for them, that I pay to get that – it, you the know, trip charge. The chip charge, right? Just because I and I pay for two of them, so it's not just his opinion or whatever it is. It's just, but that's the in the best interest of the client, right? Because they need that opinion, but also that opinion brings them comfort, right? Because when they have a roofer out or they have a plumber out or they have three plumbers out, and the plumber's like, I got half my clients have this, like w- they still sleep. <laughs> Right? Like, yeah. what are you worried about? Right? Like, because that's, I mean, it's like mold, right? Because we had a deal earlier this <laughs> Everybody, half my clients have it. Yes. No? Well, do you have blue cheese in your... Oh, yeah. You I, have I it, think, too. Oh, yes. maybe. Okay, yeah, good yeah. deal. All right. So, maybe you don't like blue cheese. But anyway, mold, you know, it's just whether you're going to make it a big issue. But, I mean, it has to do a lot with area expertise and you understand the the... When it's bad mold, yes, right? Like, because I mean, I had seven instances over 16 years of bad mold, but it's you have to be able to realize when it's something that's dangerous and when it's not, and whether you should be yelling fire or not yelling fire. And some people uh, don't do a good job of, and usually it's, that's it, actually um, a good, you're exactly right, is everything that we have has a spectrum, right? And so, what level of the spectrum do you need to? threaten to blow up a deal or yell fire Mm. versus Mm. not yell fire. And Mm. I think that that's, I mean, putting the consumer first is knowing when you have an issue come up, what end of the spectrum it comes on. And the way that you know that is by doing lots of deals. Okay, how about this? So I think it's in best uh, interest of your buyer if you still show them properties after they've bought the house. After they're under contract on a house. You continue to show them other houses. Yeah, that might be a controversial issue out there. But, um, you know, it's just... You're still in the inspection period. Right. Well, the thing is, is I think that you have to explain to them that they can't get out unless there's actually something wrong with the house that they can't cancel for no reason. But if there's something that's actually wrong with the house... Well, your inspection period is a time for you to assess what value... 
right? I think so. Yeah. If you find another house that has that demonstrates that the value isn't there for yours, isn't that a legitimate? Well, I think that often. I guess that's a broken. I think that also, as long as you explain the things that you can't get out of the contract, is you put earned money down. But sometimes showing them other houses can bring them comfort. Right, so, can I, help with the buyer's remorse. It can help with the buyer's remorse, or right? Like just feet. so you know, look at it. let's let hey, if you see what, but I think that just letting them know that they're not slammed, right? That they're not slammed into the deal. Look at we can get out of this thing. I mean, but we can't cancel for no reason. But all right, so let's move on past the inspection. We have ample time on that one. We kind yep, of crushed. Good. Hopefully, we. I mean, we shut the TV off with that one. Whoa! Yeah. Right. So then, um, okay. So now, what do we do? Right. So then, the um, I don't know. Is it arranging movers, uh, helping with? Oh. Uh, how about estate sales? Right, like about getting the repairs done that were agreed to on the Binzer. Absolutely. If you're on the selling right. side. Or maybe it's negotiating credit instead of repairs for the person that you know that doesn't have the money or resources, but she had, they got a little equity in the house. The uh, Let's see. There is a, a landscaping company. Pool Who was guy. the pool guy. Yep. Right. Who was your service person for particular needs on the house, your cleaner, all that stuff. Could we arrange? Like, I think that you could arrange for that. Maybe, you know, it's more customer experience stuff, but maybe, you know, pizza or in and out on moving day. Right. To show that you care and love them. That I mean, that's more customer experience. Oh, Joe Brady coming back. I love blue cheese, he says. <laughs> hey, nice. Do you offer that Jeff or only if they ask? Curious. Oh, shoot, Joe, you're going to have to be more specific. Do you offer that or only if they ask? What is it that you, we didn't, there's no, a little bit me, of a delay, to so me, what do you think it, he's asking? It's providing a, a you know, it's... Um, do you offer what? Sometimes I offer to rekey the house. I mean, you're just trying to think of the things that will be, that they're, you know, how about boxes? Like, I, I, I always try to... We offer things before people ask. Yes. That's a part, you, for you to be prepared or to help them, you, for you to anticipate is the word that I'm looking for. I mean, here's the thing is, do you know that your client's going to need boxes when they move? Hold on, let me think. Yes. I where think the, so. Where are the Seabock team boxes? Yes. Come on. No, no, no. Actually, me. actually, I had the the box shuffle going when I was a buyer's agent. I don't know. Uh, hopefully my agents are doing it. But because if you're, a, you know, and if you're a very active agent and you got two. Yeah. That are moving. boxes over and uh -huh. over again. Yeah. Lots of tape. Better this for the is, environment. Yes. yes. Scotch tape may not be safe for the environment, but it does help from reproducing more more cardboard. But I mean the because you know that they have them if they could pass them on. There's always somebody that's moving, but to try and I mean I'm just trying to think of different things that you can do that are. Yes, Mauricio says scroll, we're scrolling, showing more homes while. Do you offer that, Jeff, or only if they ask? Curious while under contract, showing more homes. Thank you, Joe, for the. I mean because it's the. You know they're under contract. It depends, right? Like on the usu consumer. Usually not. I mean, only technically if they qualify for both houses, would you be encouraging them to? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to. It's just more of a. You know, if it was the perfect house for them and we were under contract and I knew that the if I showed up to the inspection and he told me the roof was in bad repair, I would be offering it. Right. I mean, I would to me, it's there's no perfect answer here, but I mean, in the right situations. But when I know it's the right house for them, no, I'm not offering it. I'd be like, come on, this we've been looking for freaking 90 days. Right. Like this house is great. This because a lot of times what happens is buyers actually 
if you do a great job during the initial search, they explain to you what they want. And it was I always think of Don and Sue Tartaglio. Because she was like, are you going to let me buy a house? <laughs> they were from Pittsburgh. And they had come out and they owned a t- townhome and condo. And they were thinking about upsizing so they weren't in a hurry. And I said, no, I, because I preview a lot, I knew there was a perfect house out there for her but she was just one of those clients that loved everything you walked in like i swear i could have wrote 70 contracts for her (laughs) and And you wouldn't let her buy and i wouldn't let her buy because to me the better you do on the buy side in helping them find something that's a true great fit right it's like um when i go for a listing appointment and i go up in troon and they got three little kids and we're up in the mountains. Uh, by the way, those that don't know Troon, there's no designated school district. But when you sell somebody with three little chitlings, right? Let's go with five, eight, and nine, a house that they're going to have a 25-minute drive to school, right? So, you know, like... Somebody didn't explain it to them. They're like, oh, I thought this was, a, you know, we wanted views, so we ended up here. And I'm like, that realtor was didn't put the consumer first because if they explain to that client that it's there's no attached school district because there's no kids that live up in this area, like, I don't know if you want to... Nobody wants to have to drive a half an hour to school every day. I just that was never a submission on the website. Yeah, we've, yeah, we've collected yeah. twenty thousand, thirty thousand leads, and not one time did someone said, "I want a minimum of thirty minute drive to school." <laughs> yes. Nobody wants to carpool with them. Right, exactly. But the agent... that's actually how... Yeah, that's how we tell the story. But that's why we got the class, because it's examples like that. Like, it's like, yes, that person did not put the client's interest first. Jeff, you could talk a lawyer out of their last nickel. That's not... I love it. Yeah, no. (laughs) Thank you. No, but I mean, it's just using experience and understanding the rules. and But it's there's a lot of hard work that goes into knowing... You have to me. Our job is to know the options. That's why we talk about previewing so much. Is that you can do a much better for your client when you know what an actual ten is out there for them. You mean like ten out of ten? As a ten to out of ten for 10. that client. And right. I'm not talking about stainless steel, and I'm not talking about quartz and granite and all that stuff. But there's you know some that want school district, but they got to be under five hundred thousand. They want to be in this neighborhood. There's certain tens perfect houses for them that you know that if they move in there they're gonna freaking love it for the next 15 years because it is just you know it's um (laughs) you know when we move (laughs) it's like that story just came in your mind yeah you went right back there no it was you know that idea that everybody wants to be in a family neighborhood when we move we mark that time on this video because you're gonna need that clip Mauricio. Yeah. When I mean we, we we bought a rental house in Greyhawk and we lived in it while we upgraded her house and the freaking front door was like a turnstile. Right? Like from all the kids from the neighborhood cuz we were like right around the corner from the bus stop and I swear it just flowed right through her house. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and not it didn't matter what age. Right? There was kids in her house like I got kids that are 15 and well at the time it was 14 and and 16. And there was young kids in there and old kids in there. It was like, 
But some people want that neighborhood. And if you're looking for that neighborhood, I think it's our job as realtors to know where those neighborhoods exist so that when the client says, you know, I want this neighborhood, you're like, I don't buy the ugly house. It doesn't matter because you're going to freaking love it, right? Yes, you'll be disappointed. You don't have stainless steel appliances, but you won't have to have a babysitter for your kids for 15 years, right? Sorry. I don't even know how to bring you back from yeah, that story. Yeah. Like I got I guess by thanking Michelle for the question because hey Michelle joined us. Welcome oh, to the party, Michelle. Awesome. This awesome. last 40 oh. minutes has been about your question and that's how to take care of clients inside of a deal. Yeah. I think that I think you might have answered it. Maybe. Yeah, I thought that today's episode was great. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, it's just being a great realtor. Right? It's like, what is That's it? too broad. You're way more specific than that. Actually, but it's getting better at our job, making sure that we yes. know. It. Like, what I like to say to sellers, because we didn't go to sellers, we'll wrap it up. We got a couple minutes to wrap it up. But it's the same thing. It's like, nothing's going to happen that's going to surprise us. Right? Like, no matter what happens now, you know, like, for instance, on there's, I have it down between like 212 to 220 possible inspection items. The question is, is do you know them all? Because you, you know, you should. Like to me, the uh, this is what will will keep from commission compression. But and then it's like, well, how do we? What do we do um, when each of those come up? How do we explain it? Should we be concerned about it? Should we know about it before? But it's the same thing with the seller and knowing like, okay, well, what, where is it going to actually sell for? What to me, doing a good job for a client as a seller's agent is knowing what their true value of their house is and then whether they should have upgrades or not. And then therefore during the listing experience, there's not a lot of shock. And that's what it is, is they turn to you and like, what's going on? Well, I don't know. And it's usually because of the bad expectations that we set before we got there. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. So if you got any questions or you want to, I mean, Monday we got Kenny, so I'm pumped. Kenny Kloss. Keller Williams, yeah. big dog, yeah. coming in. We're going to Facebook Live interview him where we cut the screen in half like we did with our other guests, right? Yeah. I'm excited. See you Monday about 3 o'clock-ish. Yeah, all right. Hey. Thank you. Happy Wednesday. Thank you for listening to The Solution, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Stay up today by following us on soundcloud.com forward slash Ask Jeff and Phil, or download the Apple Podcast app and search for The Solution, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. You can find links to all of our social media platforms in our description, including a Facebook group link to The Solution presented by Ask Jeff and Phil. If you have questions, please leave a comment below, and we will answer those questions on Facebook Live, Mondays and Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time.